Welcome to the Seat 14 Podcast, a different perspective on college basketball told by those who lived it. Join us as we bring you insider views, analysis, breakdowns, and predictions from one of the most storied programs in the country, from someone who saw it all from the end of the bench, the 14th seat. In association with the Field of 68 and alongside producer Jordan Barber, I'm your host, Todd Lanter, and this is Seat 14. Welcome into episode 11 of C14 Podcast. Today is January 27th, 2022. We are presented by the Field of 68, powered by Bet River Sportsbook, as always, and Budweiser, King of Beers. Um, so, win loss update. We are, what, 16 and four now um, after taking care of Mississippi State at home at Rupp Arena on Tuesday. Um, but we also have to discuss, obviously, the matchup with then number two, now number one, Auburn um, down there in Alabama. Um, Jordan, what do you think, man? We're, we're riddled up. We got, we got after the Mississippi or after the Auburn game, we got tie tie out. We didn't play against Mississippi state. Um, we've got a uh, severe wheeler. Who's all types of jacked up after running into multiple screens, um, in Auburn as well, uh, who did play against Mississippi state, um, albeit a little bit limited, a lot of ice packs, a lot of heating packs, um, and, you know, we're just we're, – we're, we had two, I think, ankle twists, two other ankle twists, Oscar, who got away without, a, without much pain, and then uh, Jacob Toppin, who rolled his pretty good um, in the Mississippi State game. But uh, the injury starting to take its toll. Is that going to be a problem on Saturday? I don't know. Jacob looked like he blew his ACL when he fell, and luckily he, Cal said he, might, he thought he might have just been embarrassed. Uh, because he because he blew it on that drive there and had to get back to the locker room. But no, I don't. I, I think we've gotten lucky that all of the injuries have been minor tweaks. To you know, Severe's head injury does concern me quite a bit. Because say what you will about like, I may I may feel that this team plays best when Ty Ty is at the point and you've got Davion and Kellen on the wings. But Severe is probably the third most important player to this entire team. And he'll he'll be he'll be crucial down the road in games like mm-hmm. uh you know uh, you said it you said it yourself that um fog is one of the toughest places to play in the whole country and guys like guys like Severe would keep your team under control mm-hmm. in an environment like that. Yeah, it's going to be rowdy in there, to say the least, on Saturday. Um, I mean, Bill Self is one of really three coaches that, um, in my opinion, uh, doesn't get along necessarily with Cal. Um, you know, they just have who, different who philosophies. And if Coach K and, and Rick. Um, yeah. But but they just, they just, you know, don't necessarily see eye to eye as far as the way they coach. Um, which isn't really much of an issue, but they they butt heads. They're competitors, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of, um, you know, they have mutual respect for one another, um, but both of them want to win this game very, very badly. I'll say that. So um, rewind back to uh, what was it? Was it last Tuesday, I guess? It's been a while Saturday. now. It feels like forever. Saturday was Saturday. Auburn. Yeah, Saturday was Auburn. Tuesday was Mississippi State. So rewind back to last Saturday. Um, Nine-point uh, loss on the road at Auburn. Um, who is now the number one team in the country, who probably has um, the number one pick in the NBA draft this season in Jabari Smith, um, who really, you know, had a good game, obviously, was super impactful. He had 14 and seven. Um, I'm sorry, four, let's see, 14 and – yeah, 14 and seven. Um, but, you know, are they the number one team in the country? I don't think they are. I'm going to ask Jeff here shortly when he comes on. Um I think that, you know, that their resume might suggest that they should be getting the votes for the number one team. Um, I don't think that they're the best team or have the highest ceiling. I do think that they might have a pretty high floor, though. Um, So after seeing us play against them, um, you know, keeping in mind the loss at LSU um, and the loss at – hell, where else did we lose? Um, Notre Dame. Where did we – no, the SEC game. Uh, LSU and Auburn. Auburn. Wait, no. Oh, oh, yeah, that's only the second one. Okay, see, that's yeah. why I was telling you I was getting confused because of the radio show. Okay, so after seeing the loss on the road against LSU, 
Um, and then going down to Auburn and playing who – I think Auburn is twice the team LSU is. Um, and we had that one within nine points, uh, even riddled with injuries um, and some foul trouble. What do you think – I mean, do you think that Auburn is, is all they're made out to be? Yeah, it's interesting you say that they're twice the team LSU was. Cause now LSU is like – what are they, three and four in conference play? It's uh... – it's really weird how a veteran-led team like Kentucky can just fall apart uh, on the road because of these injuries. Mm. I don't know, man. It's a. Uh, I just really don't know how to judge this team yet. In these uh, tough, you know, these are these are March-style games happening in January, and you don't have two of your best and most impactful players on the court. It's really mm. difficult to. I think the only thing you can really say is that on a neutral court with a better whistle and health, is there really much difference at all between Kentucky and Auburn? I, I can't see it personally. Like, if any team's got the type of guys to throw at Jabari Smith, it's us. I'm not going to say that we can stop him, but we can certainly limit his effectiveness as much as possible. Yeah, I don't believe I I don't believe that Auburn is is all they're cracked out to be. I think that they're I think they're phenomenally coached, well motivated, tough place to play on the road. Um, I think that they do have, um, you know, an absolute powerhouse in Jabari Smith. Kessler is remarkable, especially at his size. He gave us 19. um, I want to touch on about the uh, Kessler's 19. That a lot mm-hmm. of those came on that uh, I refer to it as Spain pick and roll. I'm not really sure what it's called to in the college game, but when you essentially screen the screener as he rolls, obviously Kessler's going to mm-hmm. be the primary screener out top, mm-hmm. and then he receives a back screen as he's rolling to the basket. I that that right there was responsible for like six of his seven dunks. That play right yeah, that's there. That, 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 but that but that step up screen is something that Kentucky should have been well prepared for. Right? Yeah. I'm sure they were. Um, we do a phenomenal job um, with the scouting reports and everything else. We know that that's how he's going to look for his baskets. But again, um, you know, Bruce Pearl is fantastic at throwing in that little twist. And I say that ironically because um, those double back screens are called twists in a lot of cases. Um, or can be it, it's rotational thing defensively but bottom line is those step up screens are there um and all we have to do is kind of provide that shade of help a little bit to take it away um there's a there's multiple ways to guard it but bottom line was cal i thought um you know had would have had the team prepared for that uh that that rolling that rolling lob that they like to get to um that's what kentucky loves to do it, we yeah, that's what I'm saying. We use it all the time, and and one thing scouting the scouting reports kind of do for our players is they they'll they'll say what they're calling like what Auburn's going to call this play, but they'll relate it to what uh, a similar play that Kentucky runs so that we know it like the back of our hand. And when whenever we hear that call out, um, we know what we're looking for. Now again, Bruce is a phenomenal coach. He's going to put in um, those twists to to kind of just throw a a wrench in what we're trying to do defensively. Um, but Wasn't again, that phenomenal much of a coach. twist, though. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, it's not. It's it, not. It's just, but, I think but it's it, something you have to be better prepared for than that. We, we should have been. You, after but, I get you two or three times, man. You, you know what I mean? Well, you you can make the adjustment, but the thing the thing is though is, is what he does a good job of doing is kind of moving guys away so that the help can't be there uh, for that yeah. lob. And when you're when you run it effectively. Um, you know, it, it's going to work. And we just don't have the personnel necessarily. Um, you know, Oscar and, and we we basically had Oscar and Keon. And then I think we played, let's see how many minutes we had. Uh, Lance played two minutes. Bryce Hopkins played one minute. Um, and then that's when Jacob got the majority of his run um, yeah. with 18 I, minutes I, at, down there. But go ahead. I would say probably that um, from Bruce's Bruce's side, if you're going to run that staggered pick and roll with Kessler receiving a screen in the paint as he's rolling, you're probably going to try and angle it to where that corner, because what we're talking about with the help is the corner man on the weak side needs to come down and shade towards yep. the lob to try and impact it. Well, if that person, if, if you're a proper offensive coach, 
you want that to be a Savir Wheeler, for example, who's not going to be that's, able yeah, to impact that play in any way. That's my So that's I my need to go point. back and look that's at the tape and see if Bruce pulled that off. But I'd, I'd expect it was more often than not, it was a smaller dude and not a Jacob that, Dauphin who was providing that's that. That's exactly trade. what I'm saying. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. There's a couple times that he intent, obviously intentionally did that because he knew that the help side wouldn't be able to be there and, and you know, affect the the offensive play they're running um but those those crackdowns are are tough yet anyway because if even if even if that defender was capable of getting that cracking down and taking that lob away the skip pass is there um mm-hmm. so when you run a good offense if you if, if the if your if your team is um, patient enough to get to the second or third scoring option in those situations even if they don't get you know a wide open lob at the rim they're usually going to get a pretty good shot out of it because the defense ends up scrambling so much that, um, you know, there's something is going to be left open. And again, yeah. Bruce is a good enough coach to put us in a position where we're going to have to pick our poison. And that's one thing that Kentucky's fantastic at because Cal's such a good coach that way. Um, we might run the same play 10 times in a row, um, but we can use different assets out of that play, different options out of that play and force the defense to kind of choose, um, pick your poison. How do you want us to score? And, uh, you know, that's why knocking down shots is so effective because they have to keep that in mind. We can't leave the corner now. If we leave the corner, they're going to get an open three. And, uh, you know, that's that's a situation that is a lot of fun to be in uh, when you're on the right side of it. So um, phenomenal game down there. I'm not upset. I, I, I yeah. obviously would have liked to have beat them, um, but there's a lot we've learned from that game. Uh, again, we were, we're riddled with injuries right now. Um, I, I think we'll see those guys again uh, in the SEC tournament, and I have all the confidence in the world after seeing that game um, that we will beat them, especially when we're fully healthy. I think that we have a lot further to go um, as far as the ceiling than Auburn does. I really, I really believe that the development um, of the way our our guys are starting to mold together um, will be leaps and bounds better in the next six weeks. Yeah, I think something important for us to remember. And again, I don't want to discredit Auburn. They are as good as Kentucky right now. And mm-hmm. clearly in some ways better. But I think that the fact that we are sitting here overanalyzing this, uh, this one play that resulted in a eight to 12 point swing on the game. And that made the whole difference in the mm-hmm. game shows us that really this year, um, Say what you will about Gonzaga, maybe, but one to twelve is pretty much, you know, a crapshoot. All these teams are pretty yeah. good. There's not one team this year that is really just going to blow the doors off of every single, you know, opponent that yeah. they come up against. So we're we're I, I like where I like where we stood after after that loss. It was an encouraging loss, good loss, even yeah. if you will. Well, well, let's move I on. I, I'm not going to listen to that. I know. We're not going to listen to that. Let's move on to Mississippi State. Um, Oscar, another 22 rebounds. He damn near had a double-double at halftime. I think he had Machine. 12 and 9. Machine. Yeah, 12 rebounds, 9 points at halftime, I think. Um, but ended up with 22 rebounds, 21 points. Um, I'm going to talk to Jeff about this when he comes on here in a minute. But I think he's the front runner for the National Player of the Year. I've thought that all year long. Um, you know, he's. I think this is his fourth, maybe fifth, 20-rebound game. Um, he's just, just an absolute monster on the boards. He needs, we need to get him an NIL deal with like Windex or something, um, for cleaning the glass the way that he is. Um, but a phenomenal performance all the way down the roster, to be honest with you. We had 21 from Oscar, 12 from Keon, 15 from Severe, 18 from Kellen all started. Um, and then Davion honestly has come off his second, uh, pretty, pretty awful performance. He holds himself to a higher standard than the way he's been playing, um, you know, a couple of mistakes like that we're not used to seeing him too. make. Yeah, he's, like he's been phenomenal for us. He's, 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 say that again? Just that I've liked him this year. I've liked how he's stepped in and filled his role off the bench. He, he has, his role is – he has. His role has changed and molded since last year, obviously, and he's been effective in it. Um, but his last two games have been a downward slump from the way they he's – uh, You know, the standard he holds himself to, and I know he's aware of that. Um, we're not going to harp on that at all. He'll bounce back. No, um, but I, I, I think if he'd have had my only concern, yeah. uh, like you said, I hope he's not harping himself too much because that's his job. 
he has to come in and take shots. We need that scoring surge from him off the bench. I don't care if you miss, man. I just hope he stays confident and he stays mm-hmm. aggressive because we're going to need him come March. And yeah. he is he is incredibly valuable. He really is. He will he will bounce back. Those those kind of games happen. We just happen to get uh, two of them back to back that I know he's not going to be happy with. But nobody's more disappointed um, than he is in himself. Uh, you know, there was a couple turnovers in the Auburn game that I know he wishes he could get back. So he's going to be in the gym working. I have no doubt he's going to come back on firing on all cylinders on Saturday. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a, a absolute dominant performance on Saturday. I really think he's going to live up to the moment. Yeah. Um, do you think? I mean, and he, and do, you, do you do you think that it was team looked good? The team looked good against uh, Mississippi State, but do you think that the really the primary concern is just blowing that lead there at the end? I mean that that was a, a um, lot. Closer it it was a big. Yeah, it was a big concern. Um, I, you know, I'm obviously we can't have closings that way. We can't slip the way we did. Um, you know, against a good team, that's a loss. If that was on the road, that's probably a yeah, loss. Um, we got lucky. Um, we got lucky that we were able to push over time. Uh, we got lucky that Kellen stepped up um, and showed what he's capable of doing with knocking down shots. Um, you know, he's an absolute baller, and uh, you know, he 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 had a chance to end it in regulation um pushed it a little bit too long there um but stepped in and made two huge back-to-back threes um to go ahead and seal the deal for us um it's just not a position you want to be in against a mediocre team i mean mississippi state um is probably not going to be there um you know coming later in march and uh there's going to be some tougher defensive teams there's going to be teams that are more disciplined um at the end of games and we can't put ourselves in a position to um, get knocked off because we don't know how to close out um, a game. Now, with that said, again, no tie-tie, a beat-up severe, um, and a little bit of foul trouble once again. But that's kind of – those are the kind of things that you have to expect. Um, you know, we're, we're not always going to have everybody available, whether it's because of health or foul trouble. Um, and we have to be able to step in and guys play their role and close games out. Um, again, that's another thing that I think Davion is fantastic at that he struggled with. Um, as well so um, you know they're gonna they're gonna hold themselves to the higher standard and they're gonna get better from this I'm glad it ended in a win uh, but it should have never even gone overtime that game was you know we had a, a he- healthy lead and should have been able to close it um, yeah, like the last five or six minutes at one point it yeah but even though it, it was a big lead but the last five or six minutes we really took our foot off the gas and gave them false confidence um, to get back into it and that's the kind of things that can't happen um, as we get through these last couple weeks of the regular season and start looking at what the uh, postseason is going to look like. You just can't give those those teams that don't, um, you know, you, you can't have a scare like that. Um, it'll it'll drain you of your energy going into the next game sometimes. And, um, you know, you can't have a question mark on the way you're going to finish. You need to know that if it comes down to the to the wire, that your team is disciplined enough to execute offensively, stay disciplined and in a stance defensively, um, and just make the right plays. Uh, you know, you got to be cool, calm, and collected when it comes down to the wire um, because opponents can sense that insecurity or that uh, hesitation, and that's when they're going to, you know, that's when they're going to put their foot down. So yeah. um, definitely something we need to improve on. Um, Speaking so not so... of insecurity and hesitation, my man, Kellen Grady, I thought mm-hmm. it was very encouraging to see Cal lean on him so heavily with Ty mm-hmm. out of the rotation, Xavier banged up, Davion not playing his best. I want to see more of that. I want to see a lot more of that, especially if we're going to continue to struggle with uh, with this rotation as far as keeping our lead guards in. Because I think we need Kellen to have – I text. I think I texted you this or we mm-hmm. said it on the uh, – no, we said it on that little uh, – check-in that we had from the Mississippi State game, I said, I was like, uh, I want Kellen to have the confidence that Dante Allen has every time he comes in. Yeah, uh, You exactly. know, like, he's, he's letting that thing fly. No hesitation. He knows what he's going to do before he catches the ball. I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. I want I want the guy who scored 2K at Davidson to do that. The guy who yeah. releases the ball picture perfect every single time with confidence, like, I really, I really want more of that because I'm an analytical guy. 
and three is more than two at the end of the day. <laughs> well, I think he's getting there, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him to continue to develop because, like you said, he's got one of the purest strokes I've seen in a long time. Um, I think he's he leads the team in, in minutes too. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, I did. And he's, but he's especially after. I mean, he had forty-three minutes on set on a Tuesday, but he's going to be uh, forty-three minutes on Tuesday. Jeez. Um, but he's going to be, um, you know, a huge, huge asset, obviously, for us um, going into March. But we need to take a quick break, and then we are going to come right back and introduce uh, our good friend and, uh, you know, the OG of the uh, field of 68, Jeff Goodman. And he's going to discuss what's going on down the street in Louisville right now, which is uh, fascinating. To Kentucky. Don't hurt so we're going to take there, a quick buddy. break. Uh, we're good. We're going to take a quick break. And we will be right back. This is C14. I know you love that. Let me take a second to tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. What sets them apart, though, is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-G-A-M-B-L-E-R. Welcome back to Seat 14. Joining us now, Jeff Goodman. Jeff, let's just jump right into it, man. What the hell is going on down the road here in Louisville? I don't know, but I think Kentucky fans are, uh, are probably smiling at this one, right? I mean, we, well, dumpster fire is pretty much all I can think to call it right yeah. now. I mean, you got you got no president, no AD, no head coach. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know how to talk about it because I really don't yeah. know what's going on or what to expect. So fill us in a little bit. I mean, here's the deal. Like, think about this. Four years ago when they hired Chris Mack, everybody, like universally, everybody kind of a lot of this move, everybody, everybody in the mm-hmm. national media everywhere, because, you know, he had taken Xavier to places where they had never been, you know, a number one overall seed. They were in the tournament every year. You know, he seemed to be the right hire and I know Chris well, and I thought he was the right hire too, but I, I think it's several things, right? Everybody wants to put it just on the NCAA investigation that played a part. It did, but this, there was a lot of obviously uh, 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 staff issues, as we saw with the Dino Gaudio situation, right? So you had the combination of, of staff dysfunction. They didn't like each other. Okay, so it wasn't just Chris firing them because Luke Murray and Dino Gaudio weren't getting the job done. It was also mm-hmm. that they weren't working well together. So you had that. You had the NCAA stuff. Then you had the fact that there just wasn't a lot of talent in the program the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. David Johnson, let's face it, Todd, you and I could have gotten David Johnson to stay at Louisville. He's a local kid. <laughs> he was going there anyway. It didn't matter who was the head coach. Samuel Williamson was supposed to be a top 25 player. He's been a piece. No more than that. And that other, that entire class of 2019, they're all either gone or it's Jalen Withers who's regressed. So the development hasn't been there with a lot of the players. Your best player a year ago was Carly Jones, a Radford transfer at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't have that at Louisville at that mm-hmm. level, you know? And I think Mac was just, he was tired of it at this point. I think he saw the writing on the wall of, he was going to be fired at the end of the year. Anyway, he saw that mm-hmm. this team stunk and, and I've said it publicly already. Murray state has a better roster right now than Louisville. Oh yeah. They oh do. yeah. So I think he saw that there was no, you know, like Mark Turgeon did this earlier in the year at Maryland and he had talent. He did it nine games mm-hmm. in, and Maryland's got talent to be able to beat people. Their upside was mm-hmm. there. There's no upside with this Louisville team. There's none. So Chris Mack said, you know what? If I can go out and get my $4.8 million and give Mike Pegues some more time to try to – maybe he can get another job out of this. He's not getting a Louisville job, but maybe he can get mm-hmm. a head job out of this. They're pretty tight. I think Chris just felt like, what am I doing this for? Like, like I'm not into it. I'm going to sell the players short by sticking mm-hmm. around. So let them at least not deal with the distraction that I'm going to be because all the talk mm-hmm. is going to be about me being fired at the end of the year. So now at least the, the players don't have to deal with that. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I, I heard, you know, after seeing the little bit that I've gotten to see, obviously the Kentucky-Louisville game was canceled this year, but I've seen them several other times, um, you know, being in, down the road an hour, um, we we love to hate them. So uh, there's plenty we have to, to listen to from the, from the local media about, um, you know, Louisville hate week has already happened. We haven't even had the game yet uh, because it got canceled. But this team appears to me at least to be worse than any Kentucky or Louisville team in the last two decades. And I mean, we had one, as, as Jordan likes to say, one Billy Clyde Gillespie that uh, at least in, you know, the second year was, uh, was not Clyde. such a hot. Remember Bully hot, Clyde. Yeah. Don't call him yeah, Billy. Exactly. Bully Clyde. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But, um, and Jordan even told me just to put, to age you and I just a little bit that he doesn't even have any memory before Gillespie got here of Kentucky <laughs> basketball, which That's is awesome. like, you know, we just spent weeks talking about Tubby Smith before his yeah. jersey retirement. And then obviously the loss of coach Joe B Hall um, recently. So we've been having to go back in the, back in the educate, uh, archives a educate bit Jordan. And, and educate the, yeah. And educate yeah. Jordan a little bit. So, uh, so just, just, you know, I know you have a personal relationship with, uh, with Chris That's Mack. Cool. I personally love him. I thought it was a great hire at the time as well. Um, I thought it was, you know, he was he was class. His players spoke well of him, at least um, from what I had heard. And, you know, it, it's this is just a tough situation. But sometimes a divorce is good for both parties, right? Um, is this something that you think he'll coach again? He, he's told me he's retiring. Now, again, really? you're at the heat of the moment now. But but he's been mm-hmm. a guy who's told me forever that he's not going to coach till he's 65 or 70. But he's only 51. And I think yeah. you're going to find that that – a bunch of schools are going to call Chris Mack, whether it's this March or next mm-hmm. March in April. I, I think he's far more likely to do something in a year than he will be just mm-hmm. in, in, in a few months. Uh, but he's a different dude. He, he's not a guy. Listen, he, here's how I'll put it with him. When you go mm-hmm. out on the recruiting trail, he's the only coach who brings his daughter with him. And he's got two daughters. I was- yeah. All right. Well, you know, good, bad, good or bad coach for Louisville. Regardless, that doesn't necessarily make a difference to me. Um, he seems to be a phenomenal guy. Uh, his players seem to like him. But one thing that you can call that you can't say negative about him is he loves to be a father. That man loves to be a dad. Yeah. And uh, and I, I would that's you know to your point. I'm glad you said that about bringing his daughters on the road. He, you just see him constantly, you know, embracing and educating his kids. And um, it's hard that's to hate a guy like that. Time. So that's the tough exactly. part of all these. They're coaches still is- a man. Yes. Yes. They're human beings and they have families and those, those daughters have to go to school and maybe mm-hmm. hear some things that they shouldn't have to hear from other kids. Potentially mm-hmm. it's hard enough. I, I know this because I've got a, a teenage daughter who's a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. It is hard enough to be a teenage girl these days with all the social media bullshit and you throw yeah. in your father just got fired at Louisville. That's not easy. So Jordan wanted to know, wanted, I'm wondering, sure, well, can't even speak. I want to make sure I ask you, um, how does this compare to any other D1 meltdowns you've seen, um, you know, across some of the Power 5 schools? Do you, do, can you think of any other time that, I mean, maybe not even just, you know, this isolated incident with, with the Dino situation and everything, but just the compilation of what Louisville's gone through over the past, what, eight years, seven years? Um, yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything comparable to what we've had to see. And I know, again, I, w- I always want to reiterate something when I'm talking about a school like Louisville, it's right down the road for me. So we, you know, because of the close proximity, have to hear more about it than I assume everybody nationally does. But these couple stories that have piled up over the last few years <laughs> seem yes. a little heavier, even, even with the proximity than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, like you have two extortion instances and and stripper gate or whatever you want to call it. I don't know <laughs> what we ended up calling it, but uh, I'm here in Boston where deflate gate was the term. So I'm, I'm going with. Stripper yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it's been a shit show. There's no other way to, to describe what Louisville basketball has been. Now, again, they've had their times when they've been really good, too. They won a national title. Yeah. It seems mm-hmm. like forever ago. And it, it was a long time ago, but. as recent basically as recent you know in the same time as Kentucky won its last national title so Mm -hmm. you know it just it just feels like the drama has continued throughout that program and the Dino Mm -hmm. Gaudio thing and I don't want to spend a lot of time in it but what I do want to say to Mm -hmm. it is like 
it's not I saw somebody put out there that Chris Mack turned him into the FBI. Chris Mack never wanted it to get to the <laughs> FBI. That's the last thing he wanted. What he did was he report he recorded and then reported that conversation to the powers mm-hmm. that be, the people above mm-hmm. him, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. Those people brought it to the FBI. Eventually it got to the FBI level, but Chris Mack didn't want it to the FBI. The last thing no. he or Dino Gaudio wanted was getting it to that level, but it was too late at that point to reel it back in. Once the FBI gets involved, you can't all of a sudden tell mm-hmm. them, no, 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 we don't want you to investigate. They were already yeah. you know, going on. And, you know, the other part is it, it's interesting because if that didn't happen, then you wouldn't have the level two violations and Chris Mack mm-hmm. would have gotten all 12 million. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think the level two violations were complete bullshit to personally. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of people say, well, you're close with Chris Mack. Listen, I'm fine. You fired him because he didn't make the tournament for two straight years. That's, that's legitimate. That's factual. You can't not make the tournament. I don't even care in mm-hmm. a pandemic for two straight yeah. years, but to get to level or to get level two violations for personalizing videos for recruits. And for having mm-hmm. GAs work out with the players when they're not supposed to, for that mm-hmm. to cost him basically seven million dollars is is stupid. I mean, it's. I, it, I'm hundred percent in agreement. I'm hundred percent in agreement with you. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I can't understand. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the domino thing. You know, it just, it just yeah. one after yes. the other. Once they, yeah. once that first domino fell, yeah. you know, now they're looking up your skirt. And like you said, you can't just be like, all right, well, we, you can stop there. Like you, you, you open the door for them. And, yep. you know, I'm not, you know, co- college basketball, especially with the whole NIL thing right now, it's just a jumbled mess. It's the wild, wild west out there. And the last thing you want is to give them a reason to come look in. Right. So I think that's, you know, part of the problem. It just the compilation of everything, yep. um, you know, somebody had to be held accountable. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's the boss man when it comes yeah, down to it. But coach. I know you got, I know you. I know you got a jam-packed schedule today, so there's a couple other things I want to get to real quick. Um, I want to know, you know, Kentucky's lost at LSU, at Auburn, um, but how big are those losses for a school or a team like Kentucky? Like, in other words, where does the SEC fall in, other, in, in comparison to the other Power Five conferences this year? What do you think? I think it's right there. I mean, I, I think the Big 12 is better from top to bottom because you don't mm-hmm. have some of those teams at the bottom that, that frankly, bring it down like the SEC does. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I know Georgia won earlier this week in a big win over Alabama, mm-hmm. but they stink. You know, Vandy stinks. Yeah. There's some bad teams at the bottom of the SEC. Missouri, Missouri isn't good either, and they're giving people a run for their money. They are. They well, they've changed. They've at least changed mm-hmm. their 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 personnel, who they're starting and playing, and I think they've responded to Conzo. But you know, to me, Georgia's kind of again. There's just a lot of teams at the bottom of the league that aren't very good in the Big Twelve. The worst team is like Kansas State, and they're not far mm-hmm. off from the bubble right now. So yeah, yeah. I would say, I mean, here's my other take on Kentucky is let's get them back whole again with Todd Ty playing, and, mm-hmm. and let's see, because I still feel like this team is as good as almost any team in the country when it comes to – I just saw Illinois, and, and mm-hmm. I like Illinois a lot, Illinois and Michigan State in person. And, and I just walked away saying, like, Illinois, when they get whole – they're not going to have mm-hmm. too many holes. They have wing shooters who can also guard, by the way. They have a big boy yeah. down low, and they have a really good point guard if he comes back in Andre Corbella. I'm saying the same things about Kentucky, the exact same things for the most part, other than the fact that their wings aren't as good mm-hmm. defensively as, as Illinois' Trent Frazier. But you got multiple point guards. That That's the area, to me, Todd, where Kentucky separates itself from almost any team in the country this year. They have multiple mm-hmm. point guards. And the teams that win it all, yes. generally, if you look back, have multiple point guards. Well, I, I've, I've said this on, on another episode earlier this week and on the uh, ESPN pregame show that I do, that, you know, it, it's not good that Ty Ty's out, obviously, but it might be good for this team because yeah. we got Severe banged up, you know, getting hammered on every screen. Ty Ty's out. With that's Oscar's ankle. fault. That's and Oscar's fault. I, 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 we're in agreements there. And that's the one thing that I have criticized that man for this year. But, but you know, we're getting the ball in Kellen's hands. We're getting the ball in Davion's hands a little bit more than we should be. 
but uh, it's it's giving them comfort and confidence going in totally. to the latter part of this season because if we have a situation where there is an injury, God forbid, or foul trouble later in the season, we need to be able to rely on those guys to handle the ball. So I know you got to get out of here. I want to give you one more thing real yeah. quick. Um, first off, is there a truly dominant team this season? Do you think Auburn – I mean, Auburn's number one. No, no. Do you think – Do you think any, but do you think anybody is an outlier? Because, I mean, even though Auburn's number one, I don't think they're – I don't think they're – they're they, they have the – criteria to have met the number one in, in the AP this, this yeah. week. I don't think that they're the best team in the country. And I don't think that anyone is clearly the best team in the country. Do you have an opinion? I, I agree. And, and I would say this again, Wendell Green, even in the game against Kentucky, was not mm-hmm. good for most of that game. I still worry whether or not he was playing over his head earlier in the year. And now he's got mm-hmm. big balls. Big balls. Yeah. And he can shoot the ball from deep. But I just still worry about him being consistently good for six straight games. And you're going to need that if you're Auburn, right? Yeah. Like that's the yeah. beauty of Kentucky. If Wheeler's off and he goes two for 12, mm-hmm. all right, you can pull him and put the ball in Tata's hands. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's one thing that's made us. Sorry. That's one thing I think's made us so fantastic. It's Tata as good as of a talent as he is. Um, you know, he's like, we always talk about at Kentucky. He's a freshman. that's got to get those, um, you know, get through those learning curves, which is, right. you know, you're in the express lane as far as that goes here. And he hasn't really had the pressure that other freshmen no. of his status have had here because yep. of the guys like Kellen Grady, who's a 2,000 point yeah. score from Davidson, the guy like Oscar, who's obviously, in my opinion, leading the National Player of the Year race um, in a transfer from West Virginia. So we have, quote unquote, vets on this team that are able to come out and perform every night and pretty much alleviate Ty Ty's pressure or the weight on his shoulders. And he's still coming out and doing his thing. And it's honestly being overlooked. So last thing, and I'll leave you with this. Can I, can I, before as, we go back, the, before we go yeah. back, let me finish that answer. I think Gonzaga yeah. still got the upside to be the best team in the country. I, okay. I think so too. I, that's point who guard I had play. Yeah. They got Nemhard mm-hmm. at the point and they got a freshman mm-hmm. Hickman who's coming. Not quick, not as quick as Ty Ty, but he's going to be good. So you got two point guards. You got the most productive veteran who's experienced coming back in Drew Timmy, and you have mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren to help him with that length. Like Timmy struggled with length, both guarding and scoring against length. Well, now you've got Chet, who's seven feet, can step out, is a dominant shot blocker, shot alterer. So I still think Gonzaga has the potential to go. Yeah. Their ceiling is higher than anybody else's. I, I agree totally. I still have them as number one. And Chet is unlike any talent I've seen in, the, in a, quite a long time, at the college level especially. So last thing, and I'll let you go. I have thought from the beginning of the year with the way Oscar's been playing, the kind of obscene numbers he's putting up. I mean, every day that I go in to, to, to cover the game and I'm plugging in, you know, the people's averages and stuff, he's literally double every other team's, you know, leading rebounder. Um, he, he's just, it's obscene what he's doing and he's del- he's getting double doubles, almost double doubles at halftime. I mean, it's, it's pretty absurd. He's, it's, yep. but anyway, I digress. Point being, what is the criteria for national player of the year? Because it's like two weeks ago, everybody on the national stage was just like, Oh, who's this guy? Uh, that wasn't very good at Western or West, uh, West Virginia. That's obviously doing his thing at Kentucky that we need to pay attention to. But for me, it's been going on all year. I mean, he had he's had three twenty rebound games before anybody even started talking about him in the national media. And then I saw your tweet a couple weeks ago as well. I think if the race ends today, he's a clear cut leader. And and I just want to know what, in your opinion, meets the cri- criteria for the national player of the year if it's not the most value to your team. I mean, if if we don't have Oscar on this team, we're like we've won like two games. Yeah, and, and I would say. The same thing for Wisconsin and Johnny Davis is if you take him off their team and I had it, I had them as high as like number six a couple of weeks okay. ago before they lost at home to Michigan state last weekend. Um, mm-hmm. If you take him off their team, I'm not sure they're an NIT team. I'm not sure. Honestly. Oh, wow. So I feel like the problem wow. with Kentucky fans and all fans, but Kentucky fans probably more than most is you guys get so wrapped up in your own team that sometimes you forget that there are actually other teams and other leagues out there and other players that, that are really, on. they're really good. Oscar's awesome. He's so dominant that honestly, his teammates, 
don't even try to rebound the ball at times. They just look <laughs> at him and expect him to go get every rebound. And I think that's going to hurt Kentucky at some point. Mm-hmm. If, if and when Oscar has gotten, he's gotten in foul trouble and he's off the court, those other guys almost don't know what the hell to do because they've, they've stood around and watched Oscar get every rebound. And it's, it's almost like foreign to them. There are other really good players. That's all I'll say is, is, you know, EJ Liddell's had an unbelievable year at Ohio state, you know, so, so is Keegan Murray at Iowa. There's other great players. Nobody has dominated on the glass like Oscar, Oscar Shibway. Nobody has dominated on the glass like him. And the other part for Oscar, he's gotten much better at scoring in the post much better. Yeah. He has. I was, I, you know, his his offensive game down there has developed extensively. But I was really excited to see uh, that matchup with Ohio State. Um, obviously, uh, COVID issues. But anyway, well, they, they didn't. Yeah, win. it would have it been. A, it would. Todd, they didn't win enough early. So I think when you looked at it three weeks ago, my big thing mm-hmm. was I didn't have Kentucky in the top twenty-five three weeks ago. They hadn't beaten anybody at that point. They hadn't yeah. beaten anybody of note. Now they've beaten some teams. Now you give Oscar more credibility. But to me, you're always starting with the teams that are at the top, You literally, top of the pole. You work your way down. And then if you're not in the top 25, it's hard to justify giving somebody the National Player of the Year award. So that's why, for me, three weeks ago, Oscar wasn't in the equation in the top five. Now he's probably moved somewhere in that top five. I haven't looked at it lately. But he's somewhere. It's, it's as wide open on January, whatever, we're, 23rd or whatever today is. Yeah. Than it than it's ever been. There's probably ten guys who ever shot. Well, uh, you got to be careful, Jeff. You're going to make some big blue nation smile. You got to watch that. I just say it the you way it is. You know around. that. I, just, I, I, <laughs> right. I say it the way it is, and uh, I know you guys are happy that that Louisville's falling apart over there. Uh, the only thing I would say is, hey. it, don't listen. Here's the only thing I'd say is when when Bully Clyde Gillespie was fired, and I've always said mm-hmm. this. I, I thought I don't think he should be coaching basketball. I don't think he should be coaching yeah, kids. Chris true. Mack is a good human being, a good guy with a really good family and three kids. And just be smart about that because I, you don't want to wish ill will on anybody um, who's a good human being. And and I, listen, he's made more money in his life than he ever thought possible. And, and he said it yesterday when they interviewed him. He's like, "Don't feel bad for me. I'm not the victim." Mm-hmm. He's going to be on a mm-hmm. beach somewhere soon, you know, drinking yeah. Coronas um, with no, no, no worry. Me and you would love to be Chris Mack right now with what yeah. he's got in his bank yep. account. Hey, I have, I could not possibly agree more. I mean, I don't think Billy should have been coaching when he left here. I think Chris Mack is one of the, you know, best family men. He just, he was put in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tough way to respond because he's, you know, he was cleaning up quite the mess. Um, with that said, I am not one of the people that wants to see Louisville fail. I, 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 if I'm, you know, watching a, the football game, the playoff football games yeah. lately, you know, you want to see, I want to see the kicker go, a kicker go out and win it from 55 yards, right. not somebody miss an extra point right. to lose the game. And it's better for the brand of basketball and for the state of Kentucky when Louisville's good. That's what I want to see. Um, so I really hope they recover that rivalry is something that's near and dear to my heart that I want to continue to to watch. So um, I'll leave you with this last thing, and we and we got to go. I know. Um, Kentucky's got Kansas on the road this weekend. Yeah. Um, what do you think? It's a tough game. Both teams aren't really whole and, and haven't been lately. Kansas is really trying mm-hmm. to figure this thing out. Remy Martin was supposed to be one of these huge, you know, grad transfers from Arizona state who would take Kansas over the top with his speed at the point guard position. Bill self wanted to get faster. They couldn't run last year at all. They had no speed at the point guard spot. Well, Remy Martin really hasn't been a part of this team. Not much. I mean, mm. you know, so Ochai Agbaji's the other guy that I didn't mention. You're going to see National Player mm-hmm. of the Year. I might, give, I might give it to Ochai today. He's been that Ooh. good for Kansas on both ends. Okay. He guards. Look at his numbers. I mean, ridiculous. Okay. Shooting the ball from three. The best part of Ochai is, like, I asked Bill Self earlier this year. I'm like, what? He was like a 300 recruit. And I'm like, why did you, why did you take him? He's like, man, you know, he wanted to be here and he's a great kid. I'm like, that's not why you take kids at Kansas, <laughs> but he's progressed. He is the poster child for somebody who has just gotten incrementally better every single year. 
and he is an unbelievable kid. Kansas doesn't have like Ocha is probably a late first rounder. You watch them mm. and you're going to be like, they don't have NBA talent at all. And they haven't for years. I, that's why I give Bill Self a lot of credit. I think he's a terrific coach. Um, and we'll see obviously what happens with them in the NCAA investigation. So I, yeah, to answer your question, I think Kansas wins because Fog Allen to me is 1A or 1B, the best home court mm. advantage in college basketball. Oh yeah, it's 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 up there. Um, to me, it's 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 probably the best, and I've only been there one time. But awesome. granted, it's a little bit different when we're in town. So I'm excited uh, for this one. It's going to be fun. Last thing, promise. Last thing. I know yep. you got to go. We're eight minutes past your heart out. It's. A, yep. I want a yes or a no. I don't want an explanation. Sure. Yes or no. Yeah. Did Shaden Sharp ever play a game in blue and white? Who ever play a game? Yes. Yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to okay. say yes. Okay. I'm just right, hopeful. I'm hopeful. I love the kid. You know how much I love Shaden Sharp. I want to see him play college basketball. <laughs> okay, so okay, bad. okay, okay. So bad. Well, because because you said ever, does he play a game this season no, in blue no. and white? I don't okay. think. I'm, All right. No, I don't think so. But next year, I'm I'm hopeful that they understand that he needs a year. But man, I'm telling you, I don't know who. There's three guys I take ahead of him right now in the NBA draft, and and mm. it's Javari Smith. Chad Holmgren and Paolo Bencaro. And if I'm drafting, mm -hmm. I do not let that kid get beyond fourth. If I'm drafting. Yep. I, I, I think that he will not play a game here. And oh, I have been, oh, I hope I you're have, wrong. It, it, it hurts me to say that, but uh, because of what you just said. Yeah. It's hard to turn that down. But, you're right. Yeah. I mean, listen, if he doesn't play a game this season and the NBA people say, Hey, listen, you're going to be the fourth pick. You're going to make two and a half million guaranteed next year how yeah. do you not take that that's hard well, and he's he'll, not he'll, he's older go ahead, sorry he's older yeah. he's, he's older so it's not like you know he's like Amani Bates a young freshman or something like that like mm -hmm. he's an old freshman so ah man I I hate I hate that if that happens because I freaking love Shaden Sharp and I want to yeah I want to see what he can do in college next year I think he can be the national player of the year next year well, when he leaves, he will leave with Cal's blessing. That's one thing we can count on. So, um, you know, best of luck to his decision. He'll do what's best for him and his family. Uh, but enough on that. We're going to look ahead to Kansas uh, when we come back. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. And Jordan and I will be right back. We want to take a moment to tell you about our friends over at Liquid IV. Liquid IV's Hydration Multiplier is a great-tasting daily electrolyte drink mix that utilizes the breakthrough science of cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone. Just add the electrolyte powder to your water and let CTT do the rest. With three times the electrolytes of sports drinks as well as five essential vitamins, Liquid IV comes in convenient, travel-friendly, single-serving packets. It is non-GMO with no artificial ingredients and comes in eight delicious flavors, including lemon-lime, pina colada, watermelon, passion fruit, guava, acai berry, apple pie, and my personal favorite, strawberry. So head on over to liquidiv.com. That's liquid-iv.com and plug in code SEAT14 at checkout to enjoy 25% off of your order. Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. All right, so Kentucky, Kansas at Kansas. They're undefeated at home, 17-2 this year, 10-0 at home um, on Saturday. So today is Thursday. Uh, I expect the line to come out um, early, early in the morning tomorrow. Uh, obviously not out yet. I think it's going to be around three and a half. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think you got to keep it low. Kansas has had several close games against not the best competition lately. So mm -hmm. it's a toss-up to me. Those usually stay between two and four. So Kansas will be favored, yeah. though. I, obviously, Kansas will be favored. Yeah, well, their only two losses were uh, Dayton on their home floor. Or wait a minute, I'm sorry. Dayton was on a uh, – where was Dayton? Must have been a neutral site game, I guess, because it wasn't at Dayton. Um, mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and then at Texas Tech, um, who was number 25 in the country at the time of that loss on January 8th. So um, they just came off of a double overtime win against Texas Tech, if you saw that game on Tuesday night – or, I'm sorry, Monday night. Um, that was interesting. Um, you know, Texas Tech's a tough team, uh, and Kansas fought hard through that one. Um, it's 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 going to be interesting. Um, I, I I really you know I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on um, Ty Ty's availability. Um, without Ty Ty, it, I it's going to be real tough to get out of there with a win. 
Um, so, you know, obviously we hope for health's sake that he is, um, you know, recovering well from his uh, ankle sprain. Um, but, you know, as far as our selfish needs and concerns for Saturday's game, uh, we hope he's available. Obviously, health comes first. Last thing we want to do is bring him back early and have him retweak that ankle. If it's weak, um, yeah. I don't think he'll go unless unless the staff gives him the okay, obviously. Um, you know, even though he wants to play in this game more than anything, I promise. Uh, but at number five, Kansas, man, it's it's they're they're a tough team. That's one of the top, as Jeff said, one of the top uh, two or three home court advantages uh, in the country, in my opinion. And they are going to be rowdy as all get out on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, man, it's going to be a good game. I think one of the areas Kansas gets Kansas doesn't get very much production inside. So I'll be interested mm -hmm. to see how Oscar um, manages that game. He's he's been playing much better on offense recently. That uh that baseline take he had against Mississippi State for the and one reverse. I was like, whoa, dude, where'd that come from? Mm -hmm. So yeah. we'll see if he can get if he can get going. I I imagine they're gonna. It all depends on Ty Ty's availability ultimately, but I'd imagine they're gonna try and focus on Oscar at the start of the game, mm -hmm. Cal. Is probably going to try and feed him and see if they can get him going. I think we're going to miss the most from Ty Ty is, is honestly, and he doesn't get enough credit for this. He's an, he's a very sound defender. He's smart. We know he's smart. He's also athletic. He's a big body. He, mm -hmm. he he's going to be sorely missed guarding uh, Agbaji, who is one of Jazz Jeff said his front runner for player of the year. Um, mm -hmm. Ty does a lot on defense for this team that people maybe maybe don't realize. Yeah, I mean he's he's crazy athletic, um, quicker than he gets credit for. Long, uh, long wingspan, just uh, you know the really. ability to to yeah, and he's in he's in the right place at the right time defensively. Um, he does what seems to be a good job of communicating. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, a blow if we can't have him available on Saturday. Yeah. But I really I, do think um, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be ready to go. Yeah, um, I'd imagine. The, the I just ankle. remember the way that they came out against Auburn, and he was mm. causing chaos on the defensive yeah. end. And and Auburn's the number one team in the country. And I mean, there were so many turnovers early on. Like when this team really gets going with Oscar's uh, athleticism, they they can really cause a lot of chaos for the other team. Yeah. Uh, with with Ty Ty, uh, yeah. hounding, Ty Ty and severe hounding ball handlers. Well, as far as Ty Ty's injury is concerned, it looked it looked really bad at first. Um, obviously, the scare factor as well for him. Uh, you know, when he's rolling around, you, you get nervous because you know he it looked like he thought he knew something was wrong. Um, you know, yeah. bad wrong. But then he was able to walk after getting help to the bench. He was able to walk to the locker room under his own power. That's obviously a good sign uh, that he could put a little bit of weight on it then. Um, and there's at least buzz around whether he'll play or not. If it was bad enough um, that it was a you know terrible high ankle sprain. Um, then honestly, you're better off breaking it if it's a bad enough high ankle sprain. And obviously, he didn't break it, um, or we would have heard about the surgery coming up or something by now. Um, and there's they're teasing that he should be available or that he might be available. I think if he can play, he's going to play. Um, so it's going to be an it. If he plays, he'll start. I think. I don't think they're going to. I don't think this will be a situation where they're like, oh, we don't know if he's good enough to go. Let's sit him, and if we need him, we'll play him. I don't think they would do that to him. Um, he's either going to be cleared and and on the court and ready to go and start, or, or he won't. And if he no, and if he doesn't, then I. Uh, I mean, if they'll probably I would I wouldn't say they're going to speak a minute restriction, you know, out loud. But I'm sure that no, they'll, no, because he's sure. going to be a little tender, they're going to pull him, um, you know, maybe a little faster than normal. Make sure he's feeling good, um, you know, retape if you need to, all those things. Um, those ankle injuries are, are, you know, everyone's unique. They're all different. It's not like a, um, you know, any, anything else where they can, you know, it's going to be a lot based on his, his pain tolerance and tenderness and, uh, you know, how, I mean, for lack of a better word, how loose it feels. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I can't speak to that, but I can speak having rolled many an ankle. Um, you know, some, you, you pretty much know whether you can go or not. Um, if the staff clears him and he feels comfortable, he's going to be out there ready to fight and get us the win on the road. So we're looking forward to that. Um, the SEC Big 12 matchup uh, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, going to be a war. We'll, we'll do a little follow-up uh, uh, teaser for the social media stuff 
um, ahead of that game. And I think we're going to start doing the halftime stuff too with uh, you and I, which will be a lot of fun. Um, so we can get more engaged in the actual moment because we're doing these episodes, you know, two or three days ahead of the next matchup and sometimes a day or two after the last game. Um, so we, we're going to try to do a better job of being more hands-on in the moment. Um, so we'll start doing the uh, halftime, um, you know, fillers um, for social media purposes and everything uh, starting uh, Saturday for the Jayhawks game. It's going to be a fun one. So we want to cover one last thing before we head out um, this week. Shameless and that is coming off uh, Shameless. Zero shame in this. You're, if you're, you know, most, most of us who are, are, you know, college basketball fans are, are sports fans in general. Um, the weekend that we saw in the divisional playoff rounds in the NFL is unlike anything I can remember. Um, three of the four games ended in a go-ahead field goal at the closing seconds. Um, one of them went to overtime. Uh, we, I, I tweeted during that during that uh, coin flip going into overtime that whoever won the coin flip was going to win the game. Um, when you got Allen and Mahomes uh, opposing each other, um, the way they've been playing and their ability to dissect the defense and pick them apart, um, it makes you want to change the NFL rules for the overtime um, because obviously I think uh, they deserve the Bills deserve to get the ball back after the performance that they put on. Um, but congrats to Patrick Mahomes um, and and his ability to get it done in overtime. Um, and they advance to uh, to to what's going to be one hell of a weekend in uh, in NFL football. So what's your picks? Who you got? I like Cincinnati uh, as a seven point underdog against Kansas City. I wouldn't take them outright to win. But I could see them – I could absolutely see them keeping it close. Um, Jamar Chase is just a matchup nightmare for other teams, and he yeah. showed that. What did he have? 200 and, like – I don't know. He had 200-plus yards in the one time mm-hmm. that they played against each other this year. That's got to scare the Chiefs going into it. Um, San Francisco and L.A., I think that's a lot more of a – a lot more of a toss-up. I hate that LA LA took my boy out. They might have just retired my guy, and that uh that kills me because I'm I'm a Lions who? fan too. Wait, Brady. retired who? Brady. You think he? You did not. You don't think he retired? They. I I don't think. Obviously, he hasn't said anything, but I think he's not. A, he's not. He's not. He's not retiring. He's not retiring. He's been no saying way. some stuff, man. He's been saying some. <laughs> he's not retiring. Things he's, that I have never playing. heard him say. He's still putting up legendary numbers at the age of 45 or 55 or 65 or however how old he is. He's he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, the way he's playing yeah. right now. Coming off – no, he's not retiring. He's coming back. He he's knows back. how good he is, but I'm telling you, dude, I've, you know, I've been a Patriots fan for a while, and I love uh, Tom Brady. And I, he is – like he's talking about um, his his commitment as a husband and as a father, and like these are things he's not that he he's not retiring really out there. I sure hope he does. He's not retiring. But... He's not retiring. And I don't know if you know this, but Tom Brady plays for Tampa Bay, not for not for New England anymore. I'm not sure if you're aware, um, but he's gonna he's gonna come back. Even if he retired, he wouldn't. He like where are you gonna go? He's 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 in Tampa. Like mm-hmm. he could he could make like Kyrie and make it his part time gig. They'll be okay with that. James Harden might not be okay with that. Yeah, well, that. James Harden, unfortunately, uh, Tom Brady doesn't answer to James Harden. So, yeah. um, I, 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 he's coming back. He's coming back. Yeah. But uh, let's look forward one, to Sunday. Real I have quick. one thing. I have one All thing right. real quick. Okay. Um, what we saw in Kansas City and Buffalo is uh, kind of a sad reminder that sports change a lot over time and Mm -hmm. as we've seen in the nba with the three-point revolution have the five most skilled players not necessarily the five guys that fit into the stereotypical position archetypes um Mm -hmm. similar things are occurring in football where the quarterback play has just gotten so outrageous and defense has gotten so restricted by both the rules and that there's only so many coverages that have been thought of um it's almost like now man if you, if you don't have a, a top tier we use this term terminator at quarterback like josh allen mm-hmm. 
you're just you just can't hang and uh i don't know it's just like a kind of a sign of the times i thought that buffalo has the best defense in the league and was just getting chopped up at will Mm -hmm. you know yeah well we got at least two of the best quarterbacks in the game um both the future of the nfl um also josh allen from from last week with the matchup with Mahomes, but um and then uh you know obviously we got um, joey d the big joey buckets yes i'm saying we got we got another the same situation for the uh for the conference championship this sunday so um the the face of the nfl is is it's in it's in good hands let's put it that way yeah that's the easiest tweet that you you've been uh you've been putting you've been gassing up your your overtime tweet i think that's the next step for you in terms of easy tweets that'll get some interaction the league is in good hands thanks (laughs) <laughs> the league is in good hands. So, so I think, I think you said uh, it's a seven point favorite for the chiefs at home uh, at three o'clock Eastern time on Sunday and then Niners Rams at six 30. Um, what's that at three and a half? Yeah. Rams are favored three and a half. Okay. Um, I would probably yeah, so take LA be... and Cincinnati. I'd probably take LA you're, and Cincinnati. You're against the spread, but who do you against take outright? Who, who's going to the Super Bowl? Dude, Super Bowl. I love San Francisco. You're, you're, you're taking Chiefs. You're saying Chiefs. You're saying Chiefs Rams Super Bowl. It's it's tough. It, I think Chiefs are. I mean, you have to. If you're if you have been watching all season, you would probably take the Chiefs to make it. Uh, yeah. That LA San Francisco game is really a toss up for me. I love Debo Samuel. He's probably my favorite player in the league. So, I'm gonna go San Francisco. Run it back. I'm going the opposite. I'm go, I'm going Bengals Rams. I'm going off a little. I'm playing off a little bit of emotion though. I want. I'm not even a Bengals. I, even though I'm in close proximity to Cincinnati, I'm not necessarily a Bengals fan for any reason, other than Joe Burrow and to see him uh, come and inherit a team that's what two and fourteen two years ago, um, and then tears ACL uh, and come back and now they're in you know the conference playoffs. I want or conference championship game. I want to see them beat the Chiefs. I want to see them you know, dethrone uh, this powerhouse and advance to the Super Bowl because of how quick the turnaround would be for that program. And, you know, all the credit to, to uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So I that agree. would be fantastic for me it to watch. It would be exciting. a lot more fun. It yeah. would make it fun. I, I'll, I'll drive up to Cincinnati to watch the Super Bowl if they, uh, if they make it, um, you know. But, I mean, not to bandwagon, just to be there for the experience. And I was actually in Kansas City when – uh, the Chiefs played in Miami for the Super Bowl that year and won. Um, that that experience being in the city that the team is from, um, I think is actually more fun than being at the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. So um, I'm I'm really hoping that Cincinnati can pull it off um, and advance. And then it's kind of a toss-up, like you said, for me, between the Rams and Niners. I'm going to take the Rams. Um, I think their story is pretty phenomenal as well. So uh, love to see that. Can't wait for a, another hell of a weekend um, in the sports world. Um, the SEC Big 12 matchup on su- Saturday and then the uh, conference playoffs on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a blast, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm getting to Vegas two days late. I'm going to Vegas on Monday. I'd like to be there before uh, the, the before so I can gamble on the weekend um, yeah. on this weekend's games. But, hey. It's good. Sorry. Dude, we're running out of football, man. This is very sad for me. I know this is a basketball podcast, and I know more about basketball than I know about football. But, God, I just love football, man. I do. I love being able. I agree. Playoffs are the the best time of year too. So it's going to be one, one fun weekend. I hope to see you down at Lex Live on Saturday for the coverage of the, uh, of the Kentucky Kansas game, um, and we'll kick it off the right way. Um, So that'll do it for us, right? Do you have anything else? No, that's it. I'm sitting here trying to come up with a movie quote before you put me on the spot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm putting you on. Oh, I'm putting you on the spot. I've been watching a lot of uh, Formula One movies lately. I watched Rush with uh, Chris oh, yeah? Hemsworth, and then I watched Ford vs. Ferrari with Matt Damon and Christian Bale. It's such a good movie. <laughs> such a good movie. That is a good one. All right, you got one? No. Can't give me away the answer now. No. No. I mean, I'm I'm trying, dude. It's All right. I'm I'm struggling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot unless you want me All to right. fill the gap. You want me to fill the gap? No, dude, go ahead. I'll figure it out. 
Okay, here we go. Today's episode of C14 was brought to you as always by Bet River Sportsbook in association with Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier, uh, Manchester Coffee, because I'm drinking my Manchester Coffee again, um, and RD1 Spirits for the field of 68. Thank you for listening. I'm Todd Lanter alongside Jordan Barber and... Touch my drum set. <laughs> Step Brothers. All right, brother, take us out. I'll see you Saturday.